Welcome to Free Download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanc St. Samson in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. And uh, they're going to be sharing a little bit already. <laughs> they're going to be sharing about um, their testimony and their work. And again, this evening they've got more to share about the work in Cambodia. So I would like John said, just encourage you to come tonight as well. But um, I've just been catching up with them last night and already um, I'm just encouraged and inspired by what they've been sharing with me. And obviously we're going out in the summer, there's eight of us going out as a team to Cambodia and um, I'm just getting more and more excited about that as I hear them share. So guys, all those years that you've been giving and um, you've been doing fundraisers, selling handbags, making cakes, eating cakes, whatever, um, all that money that we've been raising has been going to the Be Free campaign, which has been happening in Cambodia. Um, And so it's great for us to have them here today just to hear about the work they're doing. And I really want us as a church to get behind this wonderful couple who are absolutely amazing. So I'm going to stop and I'm just going to hand over straight away to these guys. Thanks for being here today. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to say from the both of us straight away, a massive thank you for, for inviting us to this beautiful island. We, we, we're so, so we, when we flew in yesterday, we couldn't believe how beautiful it is. And we're really excited because we're here until Friday. And um, we're really excited because we're going to be able to just spend a bit of time going about and discovering more of the beauty of Guernsey. So, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor John and Nicole, for your, for your, for your welcome. Um, Esther and I love coming to churches and being able to share what God is doing in Cambodia. And right from the start, I just want to really stress to you that it is God that's doing everything in Cambodia. Esther and I are two of the most fortunate people in the world because we're on this amazing journey and we're with amazing, amazing people in Cambodia. But it's all to do with what God's doing. We're just fortunate enough to be there and be part of uh, the story that's happening. So um, while we talk today, um, this morning we're going to share, I'm going to share a little bit of our testimony because we want to build a relationship with you as a church and we want you to know us a little bit better. Um, Then Esther's going to come and I'll only speak for about an hour and a half and then Esther will come and she'll speak. She, she, she always speaks a wee bit longer than me, but, but um, we'll, she, no, she'll come and she'll give you an update on the, the amazing play park that has been built um, at the back of our early learning centre, which we cannot thank you enough for, but Esther will say more about that later and show some photographs. And then she's going to just introduce you properly to um, Be Free Cambodia, and that, um, that's where you need your tissues, um, and uh, it will definitely... Or, or I expect it to definitely touch your hearts and, uh, and, and then, then we'll finish off. Tonight, we're going to share everything we do in Cambodia from the church right through to the end. So please, please, and I know we've already to, twice said to you to come tonight, please come out tonight. And we, want to, we want to build a relationship with you this morning, then tonight we wanted to share with you everything that we do. So we really would be blessed if you could make a special effort to come out tonight um, and hear what, what God's doing in Cambodia. So, to start off with, my name is David Allen. Um, 
I was born, now listen to this very carefully, okay? I was born on the 2nd of June, okay, in 1970. All right, so I'm just, just throwing that out there that this is the 1st of June. And my mum and dad, sorry, I could put my hand in my pocket. I shouldn't. My mum and dad um, were so happy to get us back from Cambodia for a wee while, and then I came to Guernsey for my birthday. So they're very, very not happy. But I said, listen, the people of Guernsey are going to bless me abundantly for my birthday. So it's okay. I'm, I'm really. But anyway, I was born in, in Belfast in Northern Ireland, um, and I had a happy childhood. I was brought up in a Baptist church um, in, in Northern Ireland um, in a little town called Newton Ards. Um, but at the age of nine, my mother decided that she wanted to go and live with another man. And she, she left um, our family and left my dad and my brother and myself to bring us up um, on his own. And he'd done a fantastic job. He didn't, thankfully didn't walk away from God. But um, we, had, we had probably four or five tough years um, of not having a mother in our house. And it was, it was difficult. Um, but we... we Three, three guys together, we, we got by, we, we had a lot of potatoes and beans and bacon all mashed together. I remember this vividly. Um, but it's the reason I don't eat mashed potato now. But um, we had a wonderful time. And then my dad, my dad got remarried um, to a, a good Christian lady who is my mother. And, and as I talk, if I mention my mum and dad, that's who I'm, I mean as my mum. Um, but at the age of 17, in 1987, I, I made probably the, one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Um, and it was one of those mistakes, and if there's any young people here today, I want to just encourage you to, 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 to listen to this. It was a mistake that I didn't realize I was making. And it was, I uh, went into a bookmaker's and I made a, I made a small bet on a big white horse called Desert Orchid. Um, some people might remember the Desert Orchid, but I, um, I put a bet on, on Desert Orchid. And um, at that time, I didn't realize that I was setting something loose within my life um, by doing that. But by doing that small two-pound bet that day, um, I started something in my life which turned into a major gambling addiction. And that's what I want to just stress to any young people here today, that, you know, the things of the world, the, like drinking and smoking and drugs and gambling may all seem like they're really interesting and exciting, but you don't know the dangers of what it can bring into your life. And I did something which was just fun with my friends that day. And to most of them, it was just a bet, and that's all it ever was. But for me, it kick-started a really, really bad gambling addiction. Um, and I was not... I was not good at gambling, so we, 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 so anyway, I'll come back to that in a second. In 1992, at the age of 22, I met this beautiful lady at the front, um, not Nicole, Esther, <laughs> Esther. Um, I would say Nicole probably wasn't even born in 1992, but um, anyway, and two years later, on the 23rd of July, um, in 1994, we got married. Um, and that was great. Esther and I had walked away. We, we, we hadn't followed through our, our early Christian beliefs when we were children. And we came to a point where um, the two of us were happy going through life. We were happy having our little parties. I smoked and gambled and Esther, she liked a wee drink. And, and our lives were just, you know, we, we'd lived together, unfortunately, before we got married. And, and all these things were going on in our lives, but we just pottered through life. And that's all we were doing. 
And at the, um, eight months after we got married, Esther, um, through a medical history in her family, um, had to go for tests, and it turned out that she had uh, bowel cancer. And it really hit us hard. And it really hit Esther hard. She, she was very, very ill with it, um, to the point where the doctors really didn't think she was going to make it. And it was very, very difficult. She was in hospital for nine and a half weeks and had four major surgeries. And right at the end of the time in hospital, um, when she had just turned, she turned a corner, I actually one night stood out the back of my mom and dad's house and cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, if you're there, touch Esther, make her better, and I'll, I'll live my life for you. And um, it was actually the next day when I went up that started to see an improvement. And I don't think that that's a coincidence in any shape or form. But I wasn't so good at keeping my side of the bargain. And um, Esther, very shortly afterwards, um, as she was getting almost ready to come out of hospital, a pastor, a friend of Esther's father, um, came to see her and asked her, were you ready? If, you had, if, you know, if, you, if something had went wrong and you had died, were you ready to meet your maker? And Esther says, no, I wasn't, uh, but I want to be. So she gave her life to Jesus that night. And I came up the next day, and in my true, it was probably my most wonderful thing I've ever done in all my life, um, Esther said to me, I became a Christian last night, and I went crazy. I said to her, what? You've ruined our lives. How can we party? How can we have our friends around? How can we do this? What a... And, and, and I, I stormed out of the hospital. So, yeah, that wasn't the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. I got to my mum and dad's, and my mum and dad said, did you hear the good news? And I said, yes, I did. It's wonderful. In a typically hypocritical way that I was. Um, and... I, I went back to her that day. I had bought her a Bible, and I said to her, "Look, love, I will, I'll support you. I'll, I'll help you." So I sat and read the Bible to her, and I knew, I knew from an early age what I needed to do. I knew that there was only one answer in my life. But the problem was that gambling had become such an issue in my life that we were sitting around about thirty-five thousand pounds in debt, and Esther didn't know it. I, I controlled all our finance. Um, and it's, it's like any sort of addiction, no matter, you know, um, whether, you, it's, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's gambling, it's not just the thing that you're doing, it's the, the consequences of it. And I had become a thief because I was stealing from us. Esther didn't know that we didn't have the money. Um, I became a liar. I told her lies all the time. It made a farce of our marriage because the love that I showed her was disrespecting her and all that. So I had to, I, I knew, I fought against this with, 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 um, with God for a long time. And actually, I know this is going to sound really, really bad, but I had, done a, I had done a bet, and I knew this was my last chance. And I had done this bet, and it, had, it was a lot of different things. It was horses, football teams, everything. And I came to the point where I needed Manchester United to beat York City at home, in the cup, to get like £12,000, right? And I was sitting thinking, this is brilliant. They could send out their youth team and they'll beat York City. York City, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, but in 1994, York City went to Manchester United and beat them 3-0 in the cup. And I just, I, as, as um, unbelievable, like, York City... And I think it was 3-0, wasn't it? But I'm sure you'll remember it. But, but anyway, they beat, your, they beat Manchester United 3-0. And, and I, I just sat completely shocked in our, in our house. And 
And I just said, I just said to God, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but I said to God, oh, I can't do this anymore. I, I, can't, I, I can't fix this on my own. I need, I need to turn to you. And um, I gave my life to Jesus the next day. I came home from work. I wanted to do it along with Esther, so I sat down and prayed with Esther and got saved. But I then had to tell Esther, she, she went from adulation of be, me being saved to me sitting there down two minutes later and saying we're £35,000 in debt. And, I, and, and I've told you lies. Of, um, and ev- any, any sane person would have kicked me straight out of the house. But she looked at me and says to me, we are on a different playing field now. She says, because God's in our life now. And she says, you, help, you nursed me through my sickness. And she says, I'm going to help you with your illness. I could not go one day without doing a bet. The, the moment I give my life to Jesus, the gambling went from my life and it stopped instantly. And I just want to encourage you tonight, or to this morning, sorry, it's not tonight yet. Um, I want to encourage you this morning that we all have things in our lives and even things in our lives that people don't know. Even the closest people in our lives don't know. And things can become an addiction. And it can be something as simple. Esther would tell you, I get addicted to drinking Coke. And that's why I'm the size I am, because I drink Coke. And if I could stop the Coke, I don't eat a lot of food, but I drink a lot, drink a lot of Coke. And when I stop Coke, that's brilliant, but I get addicted to Coke. And it can be as simple as Coke, or it can be as serious as alcohol, or it can be anything I just want to encourage you today that if you're not a Christian, or even if you are a Christian and you're struggling with something, that the only way you're ever going to change is is when you come to Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and thinking, well, I've got this in my life or I've got that in my life, and I can't become a Christian until I sort that out, that's absolute rubbish, honestly. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully to you. The truth of the matter is, is that you come to Jesus and he will change you and he will make your life different. And that's the truth. There's no way I could have done this on my own. And God changed it. Um, I, I was smoking 40 cigarettes a day. I, I carried on for seven weeks. And um, actually on Esther's birthday, the, the 1st of November. She won't be here for her birthday. Don't worry about her birthday. Um, fo- just keep all the focus on my birthday. Don't worry about hers. Um, the, 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 the 1st of November, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. And, and the only reason I'd kept going was the guy who led me to Jesus smoked so I thought that that was okay then to carry on doing it but actually I believe that anything that we do that sets a bad example to another person or would be the thing that would stop them coming to church because look at that Christian he does such and such Um, that's the reason I stopped smoking um, and and, and nothing else so um, after this we sorted out our debts. Thankfully, God moved, I mean, in a mighty way. I could tell you stories all day, but I know I'm working this time, so I'm not going to do that. Um, the second the big thing that happened in our lives was is that Esther and I were absolutely mad about children. We love children. If any of you have children, you need them looked after this week. We're happy to look after them for you. We love children. Our lives were always, when we first met, when we, when we spent the time leading up to our marriage, all we talked about was, was having children and what we were going to do as a family. But after Esther had the, the cancer, we, we were told that the chances of having children was slim. And this was something that really, really was difficult for us to accept. But we accepted it together because it was 
our problem and we focused on that and we were fine. Um, we, we struggled with it, but we, we, we just plodded along. We weren't having children. Um, and then we found out all of a sudden that Esther was okay, that the, that the operation had worked so well that she could have children. So all, all of a sudden, this just this big spotlight came on me. And, um, and it was a really difficult time. And we found out that eventually that we couldn't have any children at all and that it was because of um, something that happened to me as a baby. So all of a sudden, I went completely crazy. Um, for, for a few months, I just completely lost the plot because I couldn't accept that after years of stopping Esther from having things because of our debts, I also was the person that was preventing her having the family that she so desperately wanted and that I wanted to, but whenever the focus changed, and Esther never changed, it was still our problem, it was still us together, and this, that, and everything else. But it was very, very difficult. We went through many, many years. We've went through, we probably was 11 years before we actually came to terms with it properly. And we only came to terms with it properly because we believed that God had a bigger plan for our lives. And it's really difficult um, to stand here because I know, again, in a church this size, there's bound to be people that have gone through either similar situations or they have things that have happened to them, they've lost loved ones, and it's really difficult to understand sometimes what God's uh, will is for, their, for your life. But the one thing I would say this morning, and I just want to um, bless our brother here for um, saying earlier on about the waves battering against the rock, but the rock stands firm. And the one thing that is true through all the troubles that come along, and even the things we don't understand in life, is, is that God is our rock and we got to cling to him because if we don't, it's just going to be a complete disaster. Um, we, 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 um, we clung to Jesus, we clung to God. And now, and at the end of what I finished saying, we look back and we realize that actually we don't have children because if we had children, we couldn't do the things that we do. And God brought us to that point um, where we are today and what we're doing. But we had to go through a lot of heartache to reach that. But it also helps us a lot because of the people that Esther's working with. Um, day in, day in, day out, have serious issues in their lives. And because of the heartache that we went through, we, we, can, we can understand with them, we can, we can be with them, we can cry with them, we can pray with them, we can help them. So God has a reason for everything. And, and, and what... Really, it's, it's getting to that point in our lives where you just got to accept that God knows best. And that's not easy. And I understand that. I'm not saying that from a point that we, we understand it. There's still days that we struggle with it. And there's still days that we would love to have our, our own children. But we have mil- millions of Cambodian children now who um, call me Granda. I wish they would call me. I wish they would call me. No, I don't want them to call me dad. But but if uh, you know, grand is a wee bit like bad. So so so, you know. The final thing I want to bring out of her testimony was going back to my mo- my real mother. Um, she had left when we were nine, and Esther Esther had ne- through her marriage she knew that there was this had happened, but we never really talked about it. And it just came to the point in my life where. I just felt that God was saying to me, you've got to go and forgive your mother for what she did. And um, 
I got to, so, so I had to make this decision, and, and we made it together that, that we would go and knock our doors. So we went on uh, Easter Monday in 2005 and knocked her door. She knew we were coming. It wasn't a total surprise to her. But we went in and we sat down, and I just said to her, look, I have a mum, my stepmom. She's my mum. She will always be my mum. And you, you, I know who you are. I respect who you are. And I want to try to build a relationship with you. But the one thing I need to say to you today is, is that I completely forgive you for everything you did to us as a family when you decided to do what you did. And I says, I don't hold anything against you at all. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. And that day, when I did that, something really special happened in our lives. And it actually kick-started our journey to Cambodia. And I believe with all my heart, um, that while we had that, in, while I had that unforgiveness in my heart, now I wasn't going about saying bad things about her or anything like that, but it was just still in my heart. I hadn't forgiven her, or at least told her that I'd forgiven her. And, and, and when I did that, I believe that that opened up or cleared away stuff that was blocking God being able to use us in the way that he, that he has used us or is using us. Um, and I just want to say to you this morning again, if you're sitting here, and there's people, there's people could be sitting in this side of the church, aren't friendly with people in this side of the church. I don't know, but what I'm saying, you're maybe the best of friends, and I just want to, I'm, and I'm praying that you all are, and that doesn't exclude the people in the middle, by the way. But, but look, seriously, we all fall out with people. We all have things that happen in our lives that we get really uptight about, and we let it eat away at us, and you know, and. And, and then we actually get to the point where we go through our lives and we, we fall out with people for five, six, seven years. And I just, one of the things I don't struggle with in life is forgiving people. Um, it doesn't make me a hero. I struggle with a lot of things. But, but with this, I don't struggle because as far as I can see, it's straightforward. If Jesus dies on the cross for us and we ask him to forgive us for everything we've done, and we've done a lot more, our sin is more than what anybody will ever do to you personally. If we are forgiven by Jesus for what we have done, how do we, we don't have the right, we don't, we don't there's nothing that, we, we, we should forgive everybody. We should forgive everybody. It doesn't mean that we don't sort of tell people that we're not happy with what they did or whatever, but, but we shouldn't hold anything against anybody because God has forgiven us for everything. And we don't have the right to hold things against people whenever God has shown us the ultimate grace and sacrifice through his Son. So those are the things in our testimony I wanted to, to just bring out to you that we have been through things. We... we, we We've seen illness, we've seen not having children, and we've had to issues with our family, which is pretty much what most people have, let's face facts. But, but I'm not saying this to make us out to be... We're not, we're not superheroes. The only thing we did after this was we obeyed God. And God, God put it on our hearts. We went to Uganda. For, I went to Uganda with a football team. Um, for some reason, they thought I knew a bit about football. I mean, I'm a Spurs supporter. Does anybody support Spurs here? You are my hero. You're all my heroes down in the corner. Every church needs a Spurs supporter. 
Um, good girl. It's even better that it's a female. You didn't put your hand up. <laughs> she, she keeps telling people supports Arsenal, and that's not good as a sport. But anyway, um, I went to Uganda with a football team, and we, we had this wonderful opportunity to speak to people about God, and, and it really touched my heart. And I believe that God put a calling on my life and heart to give up my job. I had a dessert. I, I, I um, started up my own dessert making company, and I made desserts for a living. And um, we, it was quite a successful, and it still is going, but it's nothing to do with me anymore. Um, it, it was a successful enough um, dessert making company in Northern Ireland. Um, but I just got to the point where I was standing there looking out over um, Kampala, and I just felt that God said to me, it's not about standing at three o'clock in the morning making desserts. Life is about what you do for me. And that's what that, that, that I came home with this burden on my heart. But Esther hadn't been. And you can't come home from a foreign country um, like Uganda and say to, uh, say to your wife, God's called us to go on the mission field because she's not going to go because she worked for Bangor Elam Church as their, the pastor's secretary and loved it. So the next year Esther came out with me and... Um, God's put it on her heart. On the way home, she let me read her, her journal. Um, I kept the journal the year before, and the last I wrote in it was when we were landing in Uganda. I'm rubbish at keeping record of anything or writing things down. Esther, she'd done her whole journal from start to finish, so it took me about eight hours. But the time I read it, by the time I finished reading it, I realized that Esther had been called the same way as I had, but we hadn't talked about it. So we went home, we sat and we talked about it and we realized that God had spoke to us both and wanted us to give, our, give whatever he wanted um, us to do, we were willing to do. So we, went, we thought we were going to go to Uganda. We thought we were going to go with the organization that we went with, but that didn't work out and God changed that all around in its head. We got offered seven places in Africa and we were, we were, we loved Uganda. I mean, we loved the African people. We loved them. And we, we thought this is definitely where seven options. And Haiti and Cambodia. And Haiti never really appealed to us because neither of the two of us have any sort of medical experience at all. And I think with the problems in Haiti, you needed to at least understand a little bit about medical. So it was either Africa or Cambodia. And God just really spoke to our hearts about Cambodia and we couldn't believe it because it was completely against everything we wanted to do but we, we knew that we had to trust God and we, 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 we went to Cambodia and tonight um, we will tell the story of Cambodia and, and I hope you come along because there's so many people from Cambodia that we want to introduce you to we haven't got them outside in the car park but from slides and different things and, and we really believe that you will um, fall in love with these people. Now, I'm really impressed, I have to say, at how much stuff we've got over here and, and how much... I mean, honestly, guys, we cannot thank you enough for... You know, the financial side of things, yous are amazing. Um, for the play park, the, the, what yous have done, and the team raising money, it's amazing, honestly. But the prayer support is so vital. And we've so, never seen a church that prays so much with your announcements. You're praying nearly every night this week. It's magnificent. Um, but we really appreciate, we need your prayers for, for, um, and, and just to, to, to cover us when we're, we're out there and the things that happen. And we, we just, 
really thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now I'm going to ask Esther to come. She's going to come and she's going to tell you a little bit about um, the, the Early Learning Centre and Be Free. Tonight Esther's going to talk to Mai, so you've got to come and see that. Hello. Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm just sorry, please. sorry. I'm just be quiet. I'm just I'm <laughs> muting the mic. Um, to share with you some slides of the Early Learning Centre and also talk a little bit about Be Free. And the slides will come up. I'll see it up here as well. Oh, perfect. So um, we were thrilled when the, um, Nicole got in touch and talked about a team coming out and then asked, is there a project that we could do? And we'd moved in. We have a fantastic building that God has blessed us with. And um, other NGOs, non-government organizations that we work with are jealous when they come to our building. God has just given us an amazing place that all our ministries are under the one roof. And when it came that the Early Learning Centre had to move into our building, we had this big wasteland at the back, and I believe you showed a, a video. Uh, it was a bit of a jungle. So we, um, we knew it would be great for the children to have somewhere to play um, outside. So the work began. Let's see if I start this. Okay, so this is our building. And um, I'm sorry, I thought I would have had a picture of of the wasteland, but I'm glad you've got to see it. So on the, on the bottom floor is the Early Learning Centre, and then there's like a mezzanine-type floor where there's um, an office and boardroom and a couple of classrooms that the Early Learning Centre use as well. Then the middle floor is the church, and then the top floor is Be Free. And then you can see this is the, the ground that's all been um, all dug up. Serac, Dren, and Rit, um, and Pana, four of our staff, our guys cleared that all. They, um, I think we've got a photo of them wearing helmets, motorbike helmets one day because it was so hot. Um, and like tiles around them because it was really hot in the afternoon. So they worked really hard and cleared um, all the land. And then we hired a contractor, a building company, and they came and, and did all the, did all the, the groundwork. And um, so they started off just putting like bamboo down and um, plastic sheets. And then this is the cement truck arriving. And underneath that tarpaulin is all the cement. Um, and I thought, we'll never use all that. But they did. Um, then we have, this is the workers. And most of the workers were female. Um, so there was about 20 women came and had their children with them. And they filled buckets of this, the stones that then went in. The left-hand picture is a little bit dark, but that was where the cement mixer was. And that was just churning all day, making the cement. And then the wheelbarrows would go over and fill, fill all the cement. Um, it did dry quickly because of the 40 degrees temperature. It didn't take too long to dry. Um, and then that's all the, all the cement put down. I think altogether, David, was it three, three days? Did they do all? all of that, two days. Um, they worked really hard and so hot for them to work on it. Then they put up the metal structure for the um, playground. And on the right-hand side then is the, the green maze, the shelter to keep the sun out. And that all overlaps, so it's, it's, it's really shaded from the sun. Um, the next then, the, the toys arrived and I was on the top floor and I heard the children all squealing with delight. And they, they had their lunch outside and they were sitting out having their lunch 
when the lorry arrived and all the toys were unloaded and the teachers had been telling them, especially the preschool children, had been saying, you know, you're getting a new playground and they, we could hear the cheers of them as all these toys were unloaded. It was fantastic. So the, the, with a the seesaw and a couple of other toys that were cemented into the ground and then some of the other toys are, are, can be moved around. So that's the, the finished playground. Um, and we really, we were just sending a call yesterday. We'd have loved to have just had it finished before the team came out. But because we weren't in the country just to help oversee it all, um, that's why we've done it already. But we're going to do a big opening when the team come out. Um, Nita, who's our Early Learning Centre manager, she had been off because her daughter was sick and in hospital. So she didn't get to see any of the building and the preparation of it all. So she arrived and saw the playground like this and she just cried. She just, just kept saying, thank you, God, because for about three years she had been praying that we could have a playground. Um, in our old centre, we had a children's home beside us and they had a playground and she was very jealous of it. And, um, but with, with that, with the one beside us, it wasn't sheltered by the sun and the children couldn't really use it because it was just too hot. And we just said, Nita, just keep praying. And if God wants us to have it, he'll make it possible. So she just was so thankful and just wept tears of joy when, uh, when she's seen it. So this is some slides then just showing the layout of it. And this, the middle piece with the slide, that all can be moved around and changed in different ways. Um, and then another swing set. And we've made, we've got smaller things for the smaller children and then um, bigger, bigger play areas for the, the older children. Um, and then just to test it and to make sure that it wouldn't break for the children, David and Sarak, um, they tested, tested them out. So David was raging whenever I put this photograph in. Um, so then they brought the children out and they, they did it in groups. So they brought half of the preschool children out first. Um, and they gathered them around and said, okay, we need to pray first of all and thank God for giving us this playground and that God will keep us safe whenever we're playing. So all the children, and most of our children don't come from Christian background. There will only be a couple of children. The rest are all Buddhist families. Uh, but when they come to the Early Learning Centre, they're learning about Jesus. They're hearing songs. They're learning how to say grace and hearing stories from the Bible. And then they're going home and telling their family. So, they, so prayer, praying is, is not new to them. So they all gathered in their circle and prayed. And the little girl in the blue, um, she, that's Nita and Jim Knapp's daughter, and she was really squeezing her eyes shut. She's just three, and she recently is just learning to pray. So every night she's, she's praying for her family, and she's praying for us while we're here. And we just got a picture of her, because she was really closing her eyes and concentrating, thanking God for the playground. Um, so all of the groups did this, from the toddlers right up to the preschool. And that's the other groups that um, praying and then the gate was opened and they just ran in and just running and finding what they wanted to play with. Um, and it was funny because with the, the preschool children, the first group that came in, they, they played on like the outer things. And then the other group all played in the middle area. So it was funny just seeing how their different wee minds want to play with different things. Um, and it was just wonderful to watch them um, playing with their new toys. And this is just some of the children um, on the different pieces. And, but what we've also found is that 
in play schools and schools in Cambodia, the parents don't come in. They just come to the gate and they're on their motorbike and they just pull up and their child's name's called out and the teacher brings them out. So we've always been wanting to build relationships with the parents and, you know, invite them in and get to know them. Um, so with this now, the children, they play in it in the morning and in the afternoon. And then about 4.30, the children all go out and play in it. And then as their parents or their guardians come and collect them, they come right in the gate and they can come and see the children play and they can take a photo of their child. Because most of these children wouldn't get to play on anything like this. We would have a few families that would be in a position that they can take their children to a park nearby. But for most of them, it's totally new. And it's just wonderful. And also for the staff, just that they have this area that the children can go out and burn off their energy and um, play and just learn learn to help one another um, and learn so many skills through the playground. So we will do a proper thank you when the team come out and Nita will do a little video and we'll send it over to you. But just on behalf of, of Nita and all the staff and the Early Learning Centre, we just thank you so much for your generosity, for making it possible. And we're looking forward to the team coming out and the white walls having lovely coloured pictures on it and just make it really colourful for the children. But it, it's such a joy um, to see the children. I'm never wear on the third floor up and be free and we can hear the children playing and then can then see them at the end of the day. They're so happy and just to see the parents integrating as well and getting to know the staff. So we really thank you for that. Then we'll move on and I'll talk to you about um, Be Free, um, which was formerly Freedom Project. Um, and we know, we thank you for all the money that you've raised um, in support of that. When, um, when Paul took over as the new International Missions Director, we talked to him about Freedom Project because in Cambodia it was very confusing because there's quite a few organisations and they have um, Freedom Project as something that they're doing. Then there's the CNN Freedom Project and it was just very complicated whenever we started to talk about Freedom Project Cambodia. Um, so we do have another PowerPoint that will come up whenever the guys are ready. So Paul agreed and said that yes, it's very important for us to have a new name uh, and come up with something that would be unique. So after many um, discussions and um, Skype calls, um, the team came up with Be Free Cambodia and we just, we loved it. But what had happened was we had, um, when Freedom Project, it started um, officially in August of last year and um, there's a lot of resources that we can get in Cambodia, but then there's a lot of things that we can't. So David and I went to Bangkok. Um, it's just an hour away. So we went there and bought a lot of things to set up Freedom Project. We've got these lovely letters on the wall, and we literally had just stuck them all on the wall. And um, we then knew about the new name. <laughs> so, but this is, these photos just show, um, Dren is our tuk-tuk driver, and faithful member of the church. His wife also works in the Early Learning Centre. And Dren took um, Jana and Sakim, were, two, were the first two staff members, and took us down to the sewing machine shop, that's what it's called, at the market. And we picked the sewing machine. They put it all together. Everything just goes in the tuk-tuk. Um, and then we went to a couple of other shops and got everything that we needed to set up the, the craft room, which is... Um, 
Freedom Project, which was Freedom Project. So this is it's the top floor of the building, and this is a big open craft area. On the right-hand side is a kitchen. Um, we also then, um, the door that you can see is a, um, like our craft, craft store where we store everything. Um, on the other side, we have our toilet and an office, and then we have a classroom as well um, that we use. So at the start, it was Sakim, um, who's in the pink, and um, Jana in the green. Uh, that's the both of them. Sakim, she specializes in making the cards, and after I talk, I'm going to show a little video which shares Sakim's story um, better than I can tell you. Uh, but Sakim, um, she's fantastic at making greeting cards, and um, Jana then is a whiz on the sewing machine, and um, I did sewing whenever I was in secondary school a long time ago, so I'm hoping that um, when I'm there, she's going to teach me how to use the sewing machine again. So um, the two of them started first of all, and then we approached um, organisations because um, Paul, what happened was, sorry, Paul came out in May and he, he asked me, Esther, what is it you want to do? And when I first went out to Cambodia, I was really just supporting Nita and her role, helping David in any way I could, studying the Khmer language. Um, and I just said, well, I really love card making and crafts. And I'm also then passionate about the girls that have been rescued you know, from sexual exploitation and um, all that's going on with that in Cambodia. Um, so we talked about how we could combine the two and um, Freedom Project, which is now Be Free, came about. And what we do, it's a 12-month training program and we have, we're working with a couple of organisations that do the rescue. So they rescue girls from um, karaoke TV bars. Um, I'm just looking to see, I'll be able to talk okay. Um, it's bars that um, they have um, girls sitting on chairs at the door and as men come along the girls will stand and then the man chooses somebody and they go in and it's just some of them are quite innocent that it can be just pouring beer for them or playing songs on the karaoke um, others then it just becomes more than that um, and so we're not in a position that we can rescue girls from that but other organizations are um, and we then get girls that come to us that have received trauma counselling and um, gone through um, a few months living you know, in a safe house, um, learning different skills, and they come to us for a year, and we then teach them different things. We have three staff members, so we have Sakim, who's the manager, and Jana is the sewing machine teacher and teaches all the sewing, and we also... Um, I have a picture. We have Danny. So this is the, the photo on the left is Jenna, who's like our caretaker. She likes to do all jobs that need done. So this was um, changing the letters from Freedom Project to Be Free Cambodia, and in January that was relaunched. And Paul came out for that, and we officially opened Be Free Cambodia. Um, Danny, the girl on the right in the black, she's also our Khmer teacher. So she had started to teach us Khmer in the church, and then um, we felt it would be good for her to work along with me in a translating role, and also just working with the girls um, on a counselling role. Um, so she would meet with the girls um, once a week and just chat with them how they're doing and how they're settling into the programme. So this was the transition between Freedom Project and Be Free. 
Um, in December, we took in our first two trainees um, from an organization, Hagar International, and um, the two girls um, settled really quickly. Um, but unfortunately, one of the girls then, um, when it came to January, was just struggling with some flashbacks and different situations that she'd gone through. And although Danny is an Arolas counsellor, we weren't fully qualified to deal with her and just to help her through what she was struggling with. So we then just spoke to Hagar and said, we're happy to keep her place open and for her to come back later in the year, but she really does need professional help. Um, so she is receiving that and Hagar is still looking after her. Um, our other girl, she is, she is fantastic. She is a breath of fresh air. And when I would come in to be free, she's hiding behind the door and we'll jump out. And she's, she's, she's wonderful and she's settled really well. And um, she would make a lot of the, the key rings that you see. Um, this is her hand actually holding the heart. And I showed her this on um, the mission, International Missions page. And she was so happy. And all these photographs have come from John Martin, our media guy. So he came out in January. So um, takes photographs better than me. So I pinched them all. Um, so in January then, another girl came to us. And um, so in total now, we have we're four trainees. And they're doing really well. Um, we do have daily challenges with them and with different situations that they're going through. And... Um, we are, we're just so thankful for Sikkim, who's the manager, who, um, because of what she has come through, she can totally relate to the, the feelings that they have and everything that they're going through. Um, and she's just the perfect person for the job. Um, when Sikkim had started with us in August, she's only 22. And David and I said one day, I don't know if she's ready to be a manager and to oversee these girls. But when the first two trainees came in, she just excelled and she's absolutely amazing. And with us coming away for 10 weeks, um, we have no fear at all about her being in charge and running Be Free. Um, she's just amazing. And she's talking to counsellors and case managers from the organisations we work with. Um, if a girl comes in late or doesn't come into work, she phones them and she's, she's very gentle, but also firm and takes no nonsense at all. Um, so she's absolutely brilliant. Um, so this is just some of the, the things that they've made. Um, we got um, um, our church sent us out this cricket machine that cuts out all our shapes. And then it's just showing the, the stump being made on the card. And they're just, they're so gifted. And, um, you know, I just show them a picture of a card or a key ring or a decoration and they just make it. They're just amazing. So during their, their time with us, um, our day starts at um, 7.30 for the girls where they, because Cambodia, it's so dusty because of all the construction work going on. So they start at 7.30 and they just sweep the floors and prepare, clean the working surfaces. And at 8 o'clock then we start with devotion and we have a lovely balcony. And because we're on the third floor, then there's a lovely breeze that comes. Um, and we spend about half an hour. Um, we take it in turns leading worship and asking what the prayer requests, requests are. And um, whoever's on them, we just pray together. Um, they also do Bible study. So on a Friday afternoon, um, they spend about two hours. And we got a really good material um, called Growth, a discipleship course. Um, all the girls are Christians, but just different levels and different, different walk. Um, and 
Danny um, heads that up, and they've all, we've got the book translated, so they all have their own copy, and um, they have their own Bibles, and they spend about two hours. And if I'm in the office, I just love hearing them, first of all, worshiping. They start with worship, and then spend two hours just studying the Bible, um, taking notes, and it's just wonderful to see them growing week by week. Um, they also, we do English and Khmer, um, so twice a week they'll study English and one of the girls um, can speak Khmer but can't read or write so again Danny teaches, teaches her Khmer literacy um, and they are picking up some words with a Northern Irish accent uh, as they speak um, and we just have to make sure that whenever we're speaking in English that we just speak slowly because we do speak quite fast and then I say to them but you speak fast too so we're all the same so they, they study English and Khmer um, and they also study finance and budgeting and how to save because they've never learned anything about that and they do get a, a monthly salary um, so it's just teaching them not to spend it all at once and to budget for the month so we have a Canadian lady in the church and they go to her and she teaches them all about, all about that and they also learn once a week about health and hygiene and first, first aid and um, different things like that so it's, it's a good programme um, and then we also try and find out in the year what it is that they're interested in and what it is that they would like to do and we can then prepare them and help them find training in that area. Um, two of the girls, um, when, um, when one of our girls sorry, came to the programme, um, so Kim and I dropped her home one day and just the area that she was living in wasn't good at all. And I, in the three years that we've been there, um, I think this was the first time that I felt unsafe in, a, in an area and just the atmosphere about the place um, and the house that she's living in, she, she lives with her boyfriend and um, they would say that's her husband and we've tried to say, you know, until you're married, it's not your husband and culturally there's things that we come up against that we just have to work with him about it. Um, but she lived with all his family and maybe 20 of them in one room and they only had a curtain as privacy um, and she also, she also has um, a little boy from uh, when she was working in the, the karaoke club so we so Kim said to me Esther that's not a good place for her to live I said I totally agree and we need to see what we can do um, so our pastor had come out from our church in February and they had raised a lot of money and to do different things and one of the things was um, they were able to give uh, enough money for three months rent for us to find somewhere new for her to, to move into that would be safe. Um, so we got her a place very close to our centre um, and this was just um, us helping her. We went to the market and bought some essentials that she would need and this is David helping the two of them put a wardrobe together. Um, and then the, the other photo in the bottom corner is our first trainee and she... Um, has done amazingly well coming through Hagar and um, within under a year of her um, receiving counselling and everything else she was she was ready to move into her own house um, so the top the top tuk tuk was the girls going to the market and getting all the things that she needed to set up her wee home and um, we call it the Phnom Penh Elam Housing Association and it's uh, about, um, I think there's about 13 rooms. We have about six of them at the minute, and she's moved in there. 
and um, one of the other girls from the programme is going to move in with her next week as well. So it's just setting them up that they, they have their independence, but they also then are living in community, and they all look after each other, they all eat together, and um, one goes to the market, and then they all cook. Um, so we're really happy that two of the girls were able to put into new homes that are safer for them and better for them to live. Um, so then before we came away, this is Jenna at the market. Um, the picture on the left is where we get all our buttons that go on all the hearts. So we go to a place called um, Passat Orisay, Orisay Market. And whenever I say to the girls, okay, um, we need this, where do we buy it? Oh, Passat Orisay. Oh no, I hate going to this market. It's just, um, it's huge. Um, it's, you can go in one door and you'd get lost and everything just looks the same and they just laugh whenever we say we have to go to the market and several times all eight of us go to the market and um, I tell them that whenever I was a child I have two brothers and four sisters and my mum was always just counting us if we went out for the day okay one two three four just check and we're all there and I do that with the girls and we're just in a, a row following each other Janelle is the leader and she just is on a mission and we have our list okay we need buttons we need material uh, we need the bag the plastics for the cars to go into and it's just a mission and we just get we just she just gets it done um, and then this is um, at the side of the road we stop at a shop and buy all the stuffing that goes in the hearts so this is before we came away and uh, the girls they love going to the market it's a whole outing and experience and they just they just love doing it and on all of us can get in the one tuk tuk until we buy all the stuff um so then this is um in our in our be free um this is just our cards and our our key rings that are on display and david will talk david will talk a wee bit about that whenever he comes up again um and then just some close-ups of them um Finally then, um, we, had a, we did a, a team building workshop. Um, our friend um, in Cambodia, she does a lot of team building and HR workshops with organizations. So the team, they are amazing and they all, for girls, all to work together, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but she did a training day with them and um, she just, at one point she just asked the girls, what is it, what, is, what does Be Free mean to you? So we kind of came up, all of the girls, um, came up with what they believe the core values of Be Free are. I'll probably not be able to read it from here, but it was things like um, be more like Jesus, love one another, um, accept, accept what I'll be able to read it from here, learn skills, help each other, feel good about ourselves, learn about Jesus, learn to love and uh, accept, accept each other, learn to be part of a team, keep the love, um, learn about our own character and behavior, and learn to become more like Jesus. And I was just sitting in the corner, and as they were saying these things, I was just crying because they they totally got what be free is and what um, what we want it to be whenever they're there. Um, they're amazing girls. Um, we Skype them. We Skype them every week since we've been away from them, and they, they give David a hard time and tease him. Um, but they're fantastic. And with all of that about caring for each other, the final photograph is to Kim and um, she finally, maybe March time, um, she her case was closed with Hagar. So she had come right through all the, the counselling, all the, the courses that she had to do, um, everything, which, everything that, that, that Hagar and, and what God had done in her life. 
um, they finally were able to close her case. And um, um, David, took, David took her out in the tuk-tuk to buy her a mosquito net as a ploy because all the rest of us, there's the, a cupcake place called Bloom, uh, a Christian-run organization that make the best cupcakes in the world. Um, haven't tried any in Guernsey now. Are the cupcake places here? I'll try them. Um, but we all hid in the cupcake place. We're hiding behind magazines. And David said, oh, we're going to Bloom and we'll get a cupcake. Uh, and then we were all hiding and just to celebrate the achievement um, and what God had done in her life. Um, so we're now going to show um, just a short video um, that um, tells you the whole story of Sikkim. Thank you. Four years old, I was sold to a Chinese family for 600 US dollars. I lived with them for three months as their housemaid. I would clean and tidy for them, but because I was only four years old, I knew nothing about housekeeping. So when I did it wrong, they would beat me and hurt me. They would use sticks, beating me until I was black. This went on day after day until I was 10 years old. After six years of being beaten, and lied to about my mother, who the family told me was coming back any day soon. I was moved to another family. The second family were even worse than the first, calling on me all times of the day and night to wash their clothes, clean their house, look after their children, and beating me more than I had ever known. I was so desperate to be free from the family. One day a friend living nearby told me of an organisation that had a shelter where they educated girls in my situation. Because of how I had been treated, I had no money. Because I had no money, I couldn't afford to travel a distance to get to the shelter. So I had to say no. I had nowhere to go. I wanted to get away, but I couldn't. So I decided I needed to steal some money from a neighbour to fund my escape. Each day I would steal a penny, then another day it would be two pence, waiting until I had enough to escape. The neighbour began to notice the money was going. One day she caught me and questioned me. Why do you steal my money? she asked. All I could tell her was about my situation. The family making me work and beating me. When she heard my story, she, she had pity on me and took me to the family and confronted them about what they had been doing. The family just stood silent. Then they promised to take me to the shelter I had been trying to escape to. We left for the shelter, and when we got there, they left me outside saying they would return with food. They never came back. 
I was left on the doorstep of the shelter from morning until night when an old man came to check on the girls. It was a Sunday, so the shelter staff were not in. The old man asked me why I looked so sad, so I told him my story. He invited me into the shelter for the night. When morning came, the organisation interviewed me. They saw all my bruises and decided to let me live in the shelter and educated me until I was 18. The plan was then, once I got to 18, I would leave the shelter and live in the community house. Once I moved to the community house, I was doing well. I had been treated very well and I met a man and I fell in love with him. I became pregnant. When I first came to the shelter, I had nothing. Now here I was, 18 years old, pregnant by a man I didn't really know and he had decided to run away once he found out about the baby. I was so upset. I felt so stupid. I wanted to get rid of the baby and I wanted to kill myself. I was rejected by my friends, by the father of the baby and by his family. I felt so alone. The centre offered me counselling and they encouraged me to stay strong and to believe in God. I will be forever thankful to these people for keeping me going, for encouraging me to keep my baby and for keeping my life. Whilst living in the shelter, I gave birth to a baby girl who I named Kiara. She was beautiful, the best thing in my life. She gave me purpose and a reason to stay strong. The counsellor I was working with knew of the work Ealing was doing in Cambodia with the daycare centre. So I was able to get Kiara into the centre, but I wasn't able to pay the monthly costs. Amazingly, Kiara was given a free place. I was so happy and thankful to God for the amazing, kind people that they will give me so much for nothing. Because of Kiara being part of the daycare centre, I became closer and closer to the church. I started going to prayer meetings while I was prayed for. I came to church and I was accepted. It felt like home. The people loved me more than my own family did. During that time, I didn't have a job. I really wanted to be able to support my daughter and me, but I had no skills except actually making cards. I tried to sell them, but no one wanted to buy them. One day I was with David Allen, the even missionary in Cambodia. I showed him my cards. He then showed them to his wife, Esther. The next thing I remember, I was being told of an email that had come from England, asking if I could make more cards for them to sell. After some time, David and Esther spoke to me about my cards and a project they were running called Be Free. When I saw what they were doing and how my cards could help others, I decided to get involved. And that is how Be Free started making cards. And now I am the manager of Be Free Cambodia. I feel so different to how I did before. I feel so warm. I feel happy every day as I walk into the Be Free company. This is my home. This is my family. This is where God wants me. Recently at the church, I had the opportunity to stand up and I was able to tell them of all that God had done. I was able to say thank you to them all for the help and support I have received from Elon Church and the Be Free campaign.
we always find it difficult to get up and speak after that wee DVD because Sakim is so special to us and um, we've seen her life completely changed in front of her eyes and our church, she, she leads the worship in our church, she is a phenomenal singer, absolutely but you'll, you'll, the, the guys will get to see her when you come over, she, she's just amazing and, and for two people who can't have um, family and she has no family at all, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't have one member that she knows of that is alive because she was sold at four and, and it doesn't really tell the full story but as a four-year-old, um, if you think of any of the four-year-olds that are running about in, church, in your church, she was made to do the housework from start, everything in the house. And she was beat. She showed me the sticks she was beat with for, for, for six years with the first family and five years with the second family. And absolutely, uh, it just blows our mind. But she has she is been completely restored, not by the program, but by Jesus completely restored by Jesus and because of that she's now she, she can speak to girls in a way that we can't we, we can we can be there we can love them we can care for them we can help them but she has walked in their footsteps she knows exactly how they feel she knows exactly what they've been through and we just absolutely adore her and she's wonderful and it's it's just the perfect thing the restored helping to restore others and she's she's just awesome and her wee daughter they call her Kiara in the, the DVD because um, John and Paul's translation of was wrong uh, her name's Chira but it doesn't matter nobody knows that um, but every time we hear Kiara we think of we Chira so anyway they're an amazing so Kim is an amazing mother an amazing example and I just want to again thank you because by being behind Freedom Project which is now Be Free You've helped enable this program to happen and you've helped enable um, people like Sakim to have the opportunity to, to be part of it. And, and we've got four girls, as Esther said. Next year, we're hoping to have 10 girls and we're, we're praying that God will just keep opening the doors for this to happen and see these lives. But I'll say, and she cracks up with me when I say this, Esther is a, has a real massive heart for people. Um, when this, this program epitomizes everything about Esther, and it just oozes love. And that's the whole point of it. It's, it's showing girls love that haven't had love in their lives. And through that love, they find Jesus, or they, they see Jesus through the love that they're showing. So I want to thank you for everything you've done. Now, I, I'm also going to ask you um, to help us more if you can or if you already help us don't worry but if you don't we have an opportunity this year as Esther and I go around the, the churches we're asking people if anybody would be able to give 10 pounds a month to be part of what we're doing with Be Free it's it, it's um, the 10 pound will come directly to us it will help run the program it costs us it costs a thousand pounds a year to put a girl through the program that pays her salary, it pays her insurance money, it, it, it feeds her for the year, and it, except for any major traumas that come along, £1,000 allows a girl to go through the program, and um, we need to raise those funds somehow. So what we're doing is we're asking people, now, it's not a set figure of £10. If you, if you can give £5 a month, that's fantastic. If you can give £10 a month, that's fantastic. If you can give more, that's really fantastic. No, it's all the same. Look, if you can, there's direct debit forms at the back. Um, 
the only thing I need to say about it is, is there's a bit that says what payment is for. If you, if you do want to help and you can help, if you could put in just in that part, be free Cambodia, just the words be free Cambodia, and anything else is just your own details, and, and then that would come back to the church here, and Nicole would get that sent to um, Elam Missions, Elam International Missions. But that's, that, if, if you can, it gives you a direct way of being part of our program, what we're doing. And, and I know from when we've come back, with, I mean, it's only a year and a bit since we were back before, but every time we come to the UK, um, things get more expensive. And it's actually going to get to the States. I love fries, Turkish delight. That's not a hint for my birthday. I, I just want to point that out. I really don't want to eat chocolate at the minute, but fries, Turkish delights are going to be £10 by the time we get back the next time. Every time, I, I think they're about a pound, 5p in some shops now. It's ridiculous. But you can't buy, you know, what can you buy for £10? And I know that things are harder now in life, and I'm not taking that for granted. But if you can, please, please sign up for this. Um, if we can get people to get behind us, we're just so excited what God will be able to do. The other thing is, is and this is more just today, it'll just be this morning and this evening. We have cards that Sakim has made um, here with us. We also have these beautiful little key rings that can also be, if you, t- if you talk to Esther, they can also be um, for your, for example, Esther's handbag. Esther likes handbags. She's a nightmare. Um, the, if you see on the handbag, there's the wee clip thing can go on it, so it can go on your handbag as well or whatever. So we can give you the clips as well. Um, those are for sale today. Um, now, we're selling them for £2 each. Now, I know you're thinking, they are a really good card, um, but you're probably thinking £2 for card. What I'm going to say to you is, is that it's not the card or the key ring that's important. It's the concept. It's what you're actually buying into. If you, if you take this home and you, ha- you hang it up in your house and remember every time you see it to pray for the person or if you put your keys on it and you remember each day to pray for Sakim or, or the team in Be Free, that's what we're... And the, the money that comes from that will directly buy new machines for them to, to make different stuff, to make handbags and different things. So it's going to help us buy the resources we require to, to keep the, the thing going and to build it and to make it bigger. So it's, it's up to yourself, um, but if you can, uh, either a card or a key ring at the back for £2, and we really appreciate it. I hate asking for money. I hate asking for this stuff. Um, but, you know, we know that not everybody's in the position to buy things, and they're not, not everybody has money. And we just say to you all, if you just continue to pray, for the work in Cambodia and, and for the people. Please, please, please come tonight. Nobody needs to buy me a present for my birthday. My present will be if you all come tonight, okay? That's all that I want for my birthday. I want a wee bit more from you. But from everybody else, um, for my birthday, come tonight and hear the full story of what's going on in Cambodia because we really want to tell you about the church. The church is, the, is, the Be Free is fantastic. Our early learning center is fantastic. But the church has to be the center of everything we do. And that's, that, that's what we want to tell you about tonight. And we want to um, get you on board and understanding everything that's happening. Thank you so much for having us this morning. Um, um, I hope you know us a little bit better. Um, and we, we're just looking forward to keeping this relationship going. We, we're, 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 we're wanting to come to Guernsey every year now because we just think it's beautiful. But um, thank you so much for having us. Bless you all.
Thanks, David and Esther. It's lovely to hear you share. Um, I think the worship group are coming to do one more, and I think we'll take up the tithes and offerings at the same time. Okay, should we just pray for David and Esther um, before we sing our final song? Father God, we just thank you um, for the work that is happening in Cambodia. We thank you for the stories that we've heard and the testimony of David and Esther's life. I thank you for the way that you've called them and you've given them this purpose and that they've been obedient to you, Lord. And we just thank you that we can be a part of this as well. Even though we're in this little island of Guernsey, um, we can be a part of the ministry in Cambodia as well. So I thank you for that. And we just pray a real blessing and anointing on David and Esther and all that they're doing and all that's happening in Cambodia right now, even as we're here. Um, Lord, we just pray that you'd be there and and just watching over things and protecting people there. Uh, Lord, we just give this ministry to you. Thank you for what is happening. And uh, we just look to you to give you Listening to this free download from Delancey Union Church. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyunion.co.uk.